Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. I'm joined by my good friend, Sam, and we talk about Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. But actually, this week, we actually heap a lot of praise on one Manchester City, a really good performance by them. Yeah. But uh, just as expected, honestly, just before we get underway, we want to offer our condolences and thoughts and prayers to those affected by the uh, Las Vegas shooting. Um, Senseless and disgusting, to say the least. Um, We had a lot of close family and friends that we knew that were in Las Vegas at the time. So it hit very uh, close to home for us being from Los Angeles. Actually, they were were at the actual festival. Yeah. And it's just it's they're all they're okay though. It's it's just absolutely unbelievable, and uh, we just if you know if we have any listeners from that area or that that are American or even the world abroad, I'm sure you could sympathize with us. But um, that's enough of that. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Chelsea. Yep, let's do it. So uh, this Atletico Madrid game was something else, huh? Incredible, absolutely incredible. So um, starting lineup we had Courtois on goal. Uh, Louise restored to the middle of the center defense with uh, Aspilicueta and Cahill on each side of him. Um, Alonso and Moses as our wing backs, and then a midfield three of uh, Bakioko playing centrally, uh, Conte off to the right and Fabregas off to the left, um, and Hazard and Morata leading the attack. So, um, so run over the first half with us. What what did you think? I thought that we we dominated that first half. Um, that that penalty by David Luiz was was kind of was really stupid, and I remember you know that was the exact reason why you didn't like him on yeah, the original that, stint. It was vintage David Luiz. Yeah, right there. his original yeah. stint. You know, he he would make a lot of mistakes like that, and you know that was their only goal. And mm-hmm. really, they didn't have too many chances besides that. Um, we we had a lot of chances. Um, and again, Angola Conte and Bakayoko played imperious yeah yeah they're just uh, they were unbelievable um but going back to that david Luiz penalty yeah that is the reason why i didn't want him to come back to the club um obviously he made me eat my words after his season last season but um the stupid penalty like i just i don't get it you're i could see like a, a a winger or maybe a striker making that stupid challenge in the box while defending a corner because they're not natural defenders, but you're our center back. You should know better. It's just, it's, it's absolutely beyond me. Um, Conte and Bakayoko. I mean, we can't say enough about them. Yeah. Every time they play together, they've seemed to impress. I'm barring the man city match, but that's special circumstances. But (laughs) I thought it was interesting that, that Conte placed Bakayoko in the middle and had him um had him drop off and just kind of be the trash man to clean up. He had Angola Conte pushed up a little higher, pressing high up the pitch and winning us uh winning the ball in their attacking third. Um that was that was basically a masterstroke in my opinion. You know, we we always talk about how this how we wanted to move the three five two, but we never envisioned it as a three five two with only one holding yeah. midfielder. And it worked out perfectly, especially when Conte was playing that high up the pitch, I mean, just Conte's a genius for pulling that one off and, and seeing that. It it worked well um, in this game, but you know he he did he played a lot of that in the Man City game too, and it didn't pay off as well. No, but uh, but Man City's a a better footballing yeah, team. Yeah, like but Atletico. Yeah, so maybe this uh, strategy won't work against every team, obviously, but yeah, yeah. Um, at least against Atletico, he played really well. Yeah. Um, Another duo who just, I mean, absolutely destroyed was uh, Hazard and Murata. So, I mean, this is their first game, you know, starting together. And yeah. They look like they've been playing with each other for years now. Like, I think Murata is just the perfect complement to Hazard's game and vice versa. Um, You know, Hazard obviously sucks defenders in. And creates those spaces for Morata. And Morata is such an intelligent striker that he just naturally runs into those open spaces, you know, in between the two center backs. So it I mean, hurts. It hurts so bad to hear you say that. Just knowing the fact that he's going to be out for a couple months because okay. it's it's the truth. It's it's a major blow. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the podcast, but I mean, 
after seeing what Murata could do in a match like this, I don't think he was anything less than world class. He made he made Griezmann, you know, he outplayed Griezmann. Yeah, completely. And obviously, Griezmann didn't have the same service Murata did. But, yeah, but that great that pass by Hazard was amazing. He created seven chances, which was the most uh, on match day two. Um, of course, the assist, seven take ons uh, completed as well. It's absurd. I mean, for for a guy with his size, and uh, you know, he, he they had did an interview with him uh, last week talking about whether he wants to put on size, and you know, he says that's not my game. You know, you put on weight, you're not as fast, and you know, he's not he's not a defender, so he doesn't want to do that. But still, winning seven take ons is like, you know, it's it's amazing. Hazard to me doesn't seem like a player that's fast or quick per se. He's very shifty. His center of gravity is what gets him away from defenders mm-hmm. because he has that ability to to sort of stop on a dime. I mean, I know we don't really talk about other sports, but you know that's what made you know Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan so great was their ability to just shift their body weight mm-hmm. and create space that way. And you look at any athlete, even Muhammad Ali, same way, very shifty, very very good center, very of quick gravity, in that sense. Yeah, yeah and it's. It was it, it was honestly when Hazard's playing like that. I don't think there's many players in the world that are as fun to watch. And I'm not wearing my blue tinted sunglasses when I say that. Like it's it's something that's just truly remarkable. I mean, the, the guy's just born to play. Um, yeah, but going, I, I want to go back to that Maratha point really quick uh-huh. that you made earlier. Like I said, he was world class in this match and. A lot of you know, a lot of the tweets that were coming out during that match were saying, "Oh, I thought he goes playing terribly and this and that." Let me tell you something. Diego Godin is one of the best center halves in the world, and he has been for the last five years or so. Yeah, Morata put him on his ass. He he gave him a hard time all match long. There was a play in the second half where Morata barged him off the ball like nothing. I mean, you give a defender like Diego Godin a hard time, not for just a half or just for you know a spell of possession. But for 70-plus minutes, mm-hmm. you deserve the plaudits. And especially considering that they went up 1-0 relatively early, and you know we just ex- you, you expect them to go pretty much to park the bus and you know to just walk, try to run away with a 1-0 goal, just you know classic Atletico style. But um, you know, I really wasn't expecting us to come back and win after that. But uh, that second half was unbelievable. Well, it looked like Conte was shutting up shot because he threw Christensen on. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of that match, and you're, you're just thinking, like, oh, man, like he's putting on another center half. He's moving Aspi to the wing. Like He's going to close this game out and just take the draw. But I feel that, you know, going back to this Murata injury, it's really going to really pay dividends that we won this game especially because he's going to be missing the Roma home and away oh, yeah. legs. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, so Shibashiwai is one of the best uh, Champions League scorers that we have. He's played, like, 15 minutes and scored a goal. He played 15 minutes at the end of the game, scored a goal, and then he scored – Was he, he? where did he score the crappy hat trick? Oh, it was against Nottingham, though. Oh yeah, yeah. But he yeah, still had two a... goals against uh carry my bags. So Oh yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So three goals in, in two matches. And yeah. in, in one and a and a fifth match. One and a fifth. <laughs> um but you know the, one thing that gets overlooked in this match was Atletico does have the players to hurt a team like Chelsea and the way we set up. And we talked about the threat of uh Yannick Carrasco and Antoine Griezmann. Um it was interesting to see that um, Simeone went with uh, uh, Angel Correa, and it made sense when you really think about it because he offers pace and he's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so he obviously wanted to hit us on the counter, but besides the Griezmann PK, they were non-factors. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I didn't feel threatened by Atletico's attack for long periods of this match. There was one period where. Someone, I think Koke fired it from far out, and then Courtois did a terrible job parrying it out. But he parried it right up the middle, and Salo just shanked, shanked the wide it. open. Oh net. yeah, but that, that was that was our only chance. I mean, really, 
um, you know, just a couple just a couple pointers. I mean, Chelsea were the first English side to beat Atletico away in the Champions League. Nice. Which isn't a joke. Um, they're also the first English first English side to score um one goal against Athletic or two goals against Atletico in the Champions League, excuse me. Wow. And Very we nice. created eighteen chances against them, which is more than any other team managed against any Simeone Atletico team in the Champions League. So very, very nice. Yeah, it was just total domination. And people coding us off on Twitter. Um, if I had your name written down on my notes, I would totally call your ass out right now. But someone had the balls to go out and say, "Oh, well, Atletico Madrid is not the same team as they were in the last couple of years." Listen, Diego Simeone is arguably one of the most scary managers to play in the Champions League. He knows how to win matches. He knows. And he just grinds it out. Just because Atletico doesn't go out every week and smash teams 5-6-0 like Real and Barcelona do doesn't mean that they're a crap side. But when did Atletico ever do that? They never did, yeah, and that's so the problem. So why is this guy saying that they're not the same team because, as before? Because he doesn't know jack shit about football. Uh, makes sense. So That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I called him out on it, and then his only retort was, oh, well, you're going to get smashed by City at the weekend. <laughs> well, no shit, Sherlock. Like... City obviously had an extra day of rest, which I still don't think is that big of an excuse, um, considering that we're only two months into the season. But, I mean, we put everything into this match against Atletico, and it was it was evident to anybody that was watching that match that we were going to be fatigued at the weekend, no mm -hmm. matter who we played. And it kind of seemed like we emphasized the importance of that game over the game against Man City, kind of, just with with, with our formations, the way that, you know, he he structured our lineups. I mean, obviously we didn't have David Luiz for uh, the Man City game due to suspension, but you know we had a really young back line, and you know just. I mean, here here's the thing. Like, I didn't get the sense that Conte was necessarily going for it. I mean, I know I said last week I love Conte because he he always goes for the three points. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't trying to lose that match, but at the same time, I don't think he would have been disappointed with a tie, and. You know, I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of tying Atletico in Madrid. But I think midway through the first half, he probably realized, hey, maybe I could actually get something out of this game. Yeah. And he really started, the wheels really started turning. Victor Moses was phenomenal on the day. I thought this was one of his best matches in a, in a Chelsea jersey. Um, Marcus Alonso pushed really high up on the left wing. That's what mostly nullified um, the threat of... Um, of uh, Yannick Carrasco was because he's he's naturally a winger, and by us pressing up high, it obviously pinned him back and limited him. Um, but let's talk a little bit about your favorite player, because the best part about this game is right. Uh, also, just as to, to preface it, I was in class for the second half. And I was just watching the game on my computer in class, which I probably shouldn't have been doing, but this game was too okay, important. It's too big of a game. Uh, right as I see Mishi's about to be subbed in, I, I send a text to Zach, and I said, I swear to God, if Mishi scores the game-winning goal, I'm going to go streaking around the school. I, I, I actually said that, and I can, send, I can post proof that I sent that, like right when he got <laughs> subbed in. And right as he scored... I'm I'm sitting in class, just like biting on my hand, just m trying to make sure that I don't start screaming in the middle of my lecture hall, and I send a text saying, "No way, that just happened. <laughs> no way." Like I mean, like that, it's 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 a kind of goal that you expect from Mishi. You know, he as a poacher, he really just stood there, he scored a received very... the ball, and just you know change the direction from going towards him to towards the goal it was west brom man <laughs> it was it, it was the, it was the hawthorns he last scores season. big goals though i mean i i, I don't understand it changing because my perception of him slowly I, I mean it seems like now he's gonna be he's gonna be starting for us for, for the uh, next for, for six foreseeable future i mean here's the thing when when michi plays and i i mean don't get me wrong i'm the biggest supporter of michi I am beginning to understand what type of player he is. He's not a 90-minute player. He's not a 55 or 60-minute player. He is 15. He, no, two. <laughs> he's he, he's a super sub. He comes onto the games. He, he comes late in games, and he changes the match. And 
some players just do that. It's natural. It's something that you can't really teach. Um, just a pure poacher. But I remember when he got subbed into that match, just thinking to myself, good God, we need someone with work rate because Murata worked his ass off that mm -hmm. match. And he literally subbed in the laziest center forward I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I was coding him the whole entire match for not pressing, not trying to win the ball, not challenging in the air, for losing the ball, heavy touch, whatever it may be. He basically played, I mean, maybe like a 3 out of 10 So up until that goal. Tell me your honest opinion. Yeah. Because that goal started from a set piece. Mm -hmm. And that the passing was... Out of this world. It, was it was it drawn up that way or did it just no, happen no, to no, end no, no, up that no. way? It wasn't drawn up that way. That okay, was totally yeah. ad lib. So like here here's the funny thing is you you were in class so you couldn't hear it with sound, but I was at home and, and I had the sound on and it was just funny hearing the announcers, you know, go, Oh, and they pass it. Oh, and so and so passes it to so and so and he doesn't shoot and he makes another pass and another pass and another pass. And you're thinking to yourself, Oh my god, he's like clowning on us. And we're totally going to fuck this up. And then somehow Alonzo winds up on the right wing. I don't know how they let him And spits a ball with his right foot, which I didn't even know. I don't even I – don't, I can't remember a time he ever used his right foot. <laughs> it just puts it right across the goal and Michi just tapping. And from there on, my voice is gone for the rest of the week. Your mom kicked you out of the house. My mom sure. kicked me out of the house actually. It was a – I was screaming so much she actually kicked my ass out of the house. So she told me to leave. So then I, you know, I went to the gym because I was so hyped. But yeah, like it's and, just and I, had to, I had to sit the rest of uh, the next hour and fifteen minutes in a lecture hall learning about torts. But let me tell you I, something. I was I was actually really close to like walking outside and just like letting just, out a big scream, but I I I didn't want like my classmates to hear me because I would have screamed too loud. But you, you know, there's some matches where like after it's done, you feel like you've been through such an emotional roller coaster and you feel drained, like a really exhausting relationship with someone that you know it's not going to work out with. <laughs> That's kind of how this match felt because like the sex is so good, right? Yeah. But you're just sitting there like, oh god, like it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. We're going to walk away with a tie, and we should have won. And then Michi Batshuayi comes on. Just finishes you off. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were still going with the same. With uh, the sexual innuendos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're totally going to do that. I was going to uh, – uh, that's pretty good. It was better than mine. Because the the thing about – oh, by the way, just to add, I didn't go streaking. I I, I didn't keep my word. But I, I made it with, under the assumption that there was no way that Michi would score Probably. the game-winning goal. And the fact yeah. that I think I think the only reason why he scored is because I texted you saying that if he scores the game winner, I'll go streaking. His minutes to goals ratio is just like <laughs> absurd. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta look at that stat. Yeah, I I I'm trying to look for it now and I can't find it, but I remember seeing it. So uh, our next Champions League match, it, we uh, face Roma at the Bridge on the 18th. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously no Murata for that game. But uh, we'll talk more about it when it comes closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's delve into uh, Chelsea Man City. So that I, was uh, yeah. I, I predicted I predicted us to lose three one. I'm shaking my head right and, now. And uh, this honestly, I mean, as as bad of a performance that we had in the first half, especially really really in the first like seventy five minutes of the match. Uh, the fact that we they only walked away with one goal, I mean, obviously you wouldn't consider that a win. It should have been two. I mean, Jesus had this ridiculous volley in the second half, and Rudiger somehow put his head in front of oh, him. Oh, that was unreal. Dude. Just, that was a goal line stop on, by what? the header. The ball's on that, man. Like, <laughs> seriously. The I ball's was, on his head. The ball's on his head. Literally. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Anyways, we're done with the shitty jokes. Um. Let's go through the starting lineup. So Courtois and goal. Um, Cahill out on the left, which we'll get to talking about soon. Um, Rudiger on the right. Uh, Christensen up the middle because David Luiz is still suspended. Um, so Rudiger came in because Aspi pushed out to the right wing back. Um, a lot of debate on that shift as well. Um, Conte, Bakayoko, and Fabregas, um, along with uh, Alonso on the left wing and Hazard and Murata up top. So... I mean, just looking at this lineup, only two fresh, two pairs of fresh legs coming into this match. Um, considering that you know we had a Wednesday and Saturday, 
um, fixture pileup. So, I mean, safe to say the, the first half was just kind of dictated how the rest of the game was going to go. Right. I mean, I, I couldn't watch the first half, but I had it taped and I watched it at home and then just you were texting me during that first half and just going, oh, good God, like this is this is a shit show. It's terrible. This isn't going to be good. And after watching it, I'm glad I didn't see it live because it just would have been, been too much huh? too much for me to handle. Um, and obviously the Murata injury definitely doesn't help. So um, reportedly he told Antonio Conte that, you know, he needs to come off before things get worse. Um, but it's just very, very concerning. I mean, the, the second, the second it happened, he pulled up. He didn't. He didn't try to run it off or anything, which is not a good sign. Yeah. You know, they they, they say with non with non contact injuries specifically, like when you know, you know. And right before that, he had done this unreal move against John Stones that really showed, like, I, I, it was like, it was, you know, it made me realize that he has more skill than people give him credit for, and it was like fully coming to fruition and then like it's so sad to see like five minutes later him pulling up with a hamstring injury yeah so um a lot of different reports about his you know absence and the severity of his injury um some news outlets reporting that it's um a grade two pull i mean i'm not a doctor but that doesn't sound good um Great too. Obviously, yeah, hamstring tear. Marca, the the Spanish newspaper, uh, claimed that he's out for six weeks. Look, if it's a hamstring injury, I mean, I won't be surprised if he's not back for six to eight weeks minimum. Yeah, and then when he is back, he won't be really match game. You know, match, match game fit. fit. And the thing is, yeah, I mean, it's it's very very concerning. So, I did the math. Um, six weeks from now, we'd be looking at um, Manchester at home, Man United. Um, and that's actually the day before the six-week mark um, from the date of his injury. So yeah, he won't be playing for that game. Very, very, very concerning. I mean, unless unless the club is kind of keeping it under wraps and they want that element of surprise or I don't know what it is, but just looking at this fixture list of matches that he's going to miss, um, Roma at home, which is massive because, you know, like we said, that win at Atletico was great. And now if we don't drop any points at home for the rest of the group stage, um, we should be in good shape and finish top of our group. Roma's a very, very good team with, with quality players. Ed and Dzeko is back, like we said, um, in our Champions League pod. But we got Watford at home, who has been really good this season, barring the 6-0 route against City. Um, Everton at home in the League Cup. Everton's crap this year. I think we all watched that. Bournemouth is crap. Um, we play Bournemouth away, and then we go away to Roma. Yeah, he will be missed for a lot of those games. And we talked. I, mm. I mentioned earlier that, like, it's it's kind of difficult to imagine how Mishi is going to have to be possibly starting, if not all the games, most of the games. But I mean, it seemed like right after Murata got hurt, that Conte didn't really trust Batshuayi. He put in. You put in William in his spot instead. Mm -hmm. You know, we we were playing with seven midfielders at one point, um, no strikers, and I, I mean, mean it, uh, of course, like we'll talk about this a little bit. William, not not a good game, not terrible, not in great form lately. No, but uh, no. Do, does this mean that Conte doesn't really trust Mishi? Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I mean, it's it's clear that he doesn't. I don't think it's that Conte doesn't like Mishi. Um, but, you know, there have been a lot of reports and a lot of murmurings that Michi's not the smartest player and he's not the most coachable either. Um, he doesn't really grasp Conte's concepts. And it's it's pretty damn obvious because you're talking about a guy that has all the tools to succeed at Chelsea. I mean, physically, he's a Premier League player. Um, he's big. He's strong. Um, he's pretty quick when he gets the wheels moving. He's a great finisher. But, you know, the only thing that he really lacks is, I mean, besides his first touch, is that is that work rate. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do what Conte wants off of the ball, which is the big problem. Um, yeah, I mean, that plus, you know, not being as football savvy as one would hope, that's not a good combination. No, no, no. And, and it isn't. And to be honest, players like Michi are actually 
easier to defend in that sense because you know that they're going to stay central. They're not going to drift out wide. They're not going to drop in and get on the ball. You know, it, he's just going to pin Absolutely. himself to the center back. And if you get an athletic enough center back to just stay with him the whole time, he's going to have his number. And, and, and we've seen Mishi struggle in those situations. So Conte doesn't trust him. And interesting that he threw on Willian. I thought Pedro would have been better because Pedro's a more attacking player and he's a more natural forward. And I'd say he's a better goal scorer as I well. I mean, I don't consider Pedro a winger or a midfielder. I actually consider him an inside forward because uh-huh. that's what he did at Barca, and that's what he does when he's in our 3-4-3. Um, surprising, but, I mean, he put on Willian, and it did not pay off. Yeah, I mentioned he, he was in, he's been in terrible form lately, and he it, it carried over into this game. Like It seemed like every time he got the ball, he would – turn his back to the goal and just start dribbling the other direction and so many poor passes either out of bounds or to the other team um if he didn't look interested really i don't know if his head is you know not in the right place right now i at first you know this summer he was supposedly linked to manchester united because Mourinho has always been a big fan of William. I didn't really believe it because, you know, I think of William as a very loyal, but not only loyal, someone that actually genuinely loves the club through and through. And after watching his last couple of performances, it's kind of made me rethink it. You know, maybe his head isn't in the right place. I mean, you're thinking about it. It's a World Cup year. He's 29 years old. He's in the peak of his prime, um, supposed to be in the peak of his prime, at least. And he's coming off the bench. But I think that maybe his love for the team and like wanting to play more is kind of the reason why his head is not in, you know, he's been, he hasn't been like the, the always, he hasn't been a, the you know, first team starter and he's, he's just, you know, coming on, he starts, you know, certain matches really he's, you know, peripheral. He's not, he's not a starting. Well, player. last season was the same story, but we actually saw him put in some good performances, but that's true. Actually, it's very true. The thing is, is that, it's kind of unfair to William because Pedro was in such good form last year and Hazard and Diego were undroppable. So, you know, William just got the short end of the stick in that sense. This season, it's a little different. Pedro's not even getting in a sniff because Conte's opted to go with this 3-5-2 and play Fabregas. <sighs> I'm slightly concerned. I'm not going to lie. Um, I know players have bad games and I know that, you know, sometimes things just don't come off. Um, the way they want to, but I have never seen William give the ball away in such obvious positions, and he just didn't look as dynamic, and he didn't look as motivated and and, and eager as he normally does. Um, I honestly think it's something to do with Antonio, uh, Antonio Conte, just because, like I said, he doesn't start, um, and you're talking about a player that has a skill set to start on, you know, any of the other top six sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I am concerned, um, and hopefully, you know, things will change, but in, in defense, in in his, in his defense, I mean, Conte did throw him on as a second striker and it's not like he was playing off a target, man. He was playing off Eden Hazard. So he was a little bit out of, out of his element, but I mean, a player of his quality should be able to pull something off. I mean, even if he doesn't play an amazing game, he should at least be putting in a shift and he didn't seem to do that yeah i mean a lot a lot of bad talking points let's switch over to a more positive talking point oh christensen oh man what a what a class act i mean he he played like an elite defender and i don't think he made any mistakes he's let me just remind you he's 21 man he's 21 so it's hard to believe Shout out to my friend Chris on Twitter, by the way. He's a Dane, and he's been responding to us a lot. Mm -hmm. And I actually tweeted to him after this match. um, You know, as bad as this match went, you probably got a stiffy watching (laughs) Andreas Christensen You think his name might be Chris Christensen by any chance? Possibly. I mean, he might be. Those Danes have very similar. They're all closely related. Yeah. uh, You know, just remarkable. Like, as a former center back, myself these are the matches where you're just salivating the whole entire time i mean he did not put a foot wrong um he broke up play he 
considering that he was not man-marking, but responsible for containing probably one of the most explosive players in the league in Gabriel Jesus. And one of the most punchable faces in the league One of well. the most punchable faces. His Dude, eyebrows. His eyebrows piss me off. <laughs> he, has a, he has that pouting bitch face that just, I don't like, know what is... What is, I don't know. I've never been pissed off by someone's eyebrows before, but His it's just really it stand out. I, I've never been pissed off by. He definitely eyebrows. waxes that shit. <laughs> hey, but I, I got mine threaded, so yeah, that's dude, but, a little bit more. Man. But we're Middle Eastern. Brazilians aren't hairy. <laughs> Middle Easterns are. That's the that's difference. true. That's true. So you know, I mean, I, let's just go back to Christensen really quick, please. Um, tell us some of his stats because these are just absurd. So he finished the game with 84% pass accuracy. Reminders, which, which actually is bad for his standards because this season he's been averaging over 90%. Right. Seven clearances, two block shots. Uh, I And you saw after the game, Pep had a little bit of a word with him. You know, Obviously, I think that he was praising the, his play. Uh, I think that, I mean, obviously with David Luiz being suspended for a couple more games, we're going to see a lot more of him. And David, just, Luiz, David Luiz is still suspended for, for the Palace match, right? He's gonna, I think he has two more games left on his suspension. Oh, yeah. um, possibly a, could be wrong, possibly a third one if, yeah. if they just decide to extend it. But I think it's it was only three. So, uh, yeah, he's 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 going to have his, his, his opportunity to shine and to show. Like, I mean, every time he has started, he has shown. Like, he has, like, improved himself to be an amazing starter. Um, I am very, very confused as to what Conte might be thinking right now. Um, on the, uh, Chelsea fan cast, Jonathan Kidd was talking about, you know, cause he goes every match and he said that Guardiola had a, about a three minute conversation with Christensen mm. after the match. Get the fuck um, away from him. I know, seriously, <laughs> like, like, get away from him. Because when you think about it, Christensen's the perfect Guardiola center back. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, you have a manager coming up to you from the opposing team after a match like that. Not just any manager. Pep one Guardiola. Of the, one of the best people. of all time. So, it just, Conte has a selection headache on his hand, and it's a very good thing. It's a good problem to have. Um, if you ask me right now, I keep riding Christensen because he is playing out of his skin. I mean, we don't even know if he's playing out of his skin. That's the thing. He's he's made so few appearances for us. But it's very rare that you could say, you know, a 21-year-old center half nonetheless just looks the part. He looks ready-made for European football. Mm-hmm. Um again, he's he's 21. Like it's I I can hardly wrap my mind around it. Um so I mean, what do you think? Does he does he deserve more playing time? Do you play him over David Luiz when David Luiz comes back from his suspension? Or I think that I mean it, he definitely Antonio Conte has a tough decision coming up because I mean it's not we're not only talking about Christensen versus David Luiz we're also talking we also got to throw Rudiger into that consideration. And you know, obviously, Aspie he was he was playing wing back that game, so he's you know he's going to be playing center back most of the time. I mean, he, it's a possibility that we'll see him transition to more of a wing back because of the you know all these center backs that we got. But um, I can't I can't make the decision right now. Like I honestly feel like what you got to do is like before the game starts, you just flip a coin. And whichever way it lands is who you're going to start that day. And you, I don't know if you could really go wrong. I could actually, you know, as as much as we talk about David Luiz being this new reborn you know, leader in the back, um, a lot of it was due to Cahill and Azpilicueta covering his ass and having David Luiz do as little defending as possible and just, you know, intercepting passes and, and breaking up play. Christensen does something a little different and he offers something a little bit different. He's a better defender one-on-one when he's isolated, and he also anticipates a lot better as well. He understands the runs strikers make better than David Luiz. Um, I haven't seen Christensen's passing range displayed as much as David Luiz, a big reason why his percentage is a lot higher 
is because he plays short passes, and David Luiz loves to send those, you know, 50, 60 yard diagonal balls. Um, maybe we could see David Luiz shift out to the left of that back three and possibly have a David Luiz and Aspilicueta on the right and Christensen up the middle. Um, I don't think, I don't You're think. You're saying leave Gary Cahill on the bench? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I'm the biggest defender of Gary Gary Cahill, but yeah, I see we, here you got that uh, pre-written rant I mean, going on. No, no, no. Here's the thing, <laughs> I I absolutely I'm gonna go into it because I absolutely love Gary Cahill, but if we're talking about Antonio Conte's playing style and the way he likes to set his teams up, David Luiz makes more sense than Gary Cahill in that sense because he's a ball playing center half and he's a little bit more mobile. Um. But yeah, I mean, I thought defensively we did okay. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that there was they scored sixteen goals in their past three three matches, and yeah, only one against us. I mean, the pro- we re- we pushed way back. Our defense was pushed way back, and although it kind of you know, if you look at the end of the day, you see it was one zero. You say that you know our defense did play very well. Um, there was a uh, th- that all that space gave a lot of room to Man City's super, super fast team. I mean, the, those guys, Lightning. everyone on the team flies. So, like, you know, giving them giving them 30 yards is like giving a normal person 10 yards in the, in the amount of time that they cover that ground. Yeah, they're, so, they're ridiculous. So, I mean, I think that we, we, we switched that up in a little bit. But uh, still, it was it was not pretty in the beginning. Like we were just holding, they were, we were barely holding them off. And then, you know, finally they broke through with that De Bruyne goal. Oh man. I mean that nothing you could do about hurt, that. That hurts more than anything. I mean, that was the first time De Bruyne had scored against Chelsea. And I was, just, I was dreading for this moment just because of how much, like I actually, I, like, when we when after we loaned him out to Werder Bremen, you know he played he played well. We got him back. Then we sold him off to Wolfsburg. I knew we made a mistake, and I didn't understand why we did that. It, it's and, and we we've been talking about it every year since. It's a debate. Like, look here here here's my here's my stance on it. Is like it happened, and so like get over it. You know what I mean? What what's done is done. Um, but at the same time, how they didn't see that he possesses class this much class is kind of beyond me um but just going back to that back to the goal the build up was mouthwatering i mean we're chelsea fans but this manchester city team is so entertaining and so good to watch going forward i pep finally has them playing the way that he wants them to. And he he everything that Bayern wasn't while Pep was manager is what Man City is this season so far. So whether they could sustain it or not, it's gonna be interesting. But going just going off topic for a second, since we are talking about the goal. When we made a Twitter for this podcast, um, at Roman's Empire Pod, by the way, um I didn't realize I mean I knew we were gonna have Twitter trolls, but I didn't realize how idiotic and fucking stupid most people are for lack of a better word fucking stupid people that's probably the best word you can think of people are just dumb like they they don't understand football in the simplest sense people coding cahill for allowing that goal listen last time i watched a replay for that goal fabregas was at fault because Kevin De Bruyne basically walked past him. Yeah. Like, a grandma could have walked past Fabregas before, you know, Fabregas gets a tackle in. Mm-hmm. And people one too. people are coding Cahill off. Like, again and again, he seems like the scapegoat for this team. Like, whenever we concede a goal or whenever we lose a match or whenever something happens, Gary Cahill is the one responsible for it. The Arsenal match. Some people coded Gary Cahill for drawing against Arsenal. That makes absolutely no sense. People coding Cahill for conceding a goal against Manchester City. They scored 16 goals in the last three Premier League matches. They were going to score against us either way. And it wasn't even his fault. Like, show some respect to the club captain. He's been nothing but a brilliant servant to us. 
He's a legend in every sense of the word. There's not one trophy that he hasn't won with us yet. He played fantastic match against Atletico Madrid and his experience showed and he proved that Conte made the right choice in that match. People on Twitter have the balls to write him off, but they're so quick to forget what he's done for our club and how quality of a player he is. I love Gary Cahill and I always will respect him. I always hold him in high regard when I think of Chelsea legends. Just there's there's just nothing else to be said. Like anybody that knows anything about football would understand my sentiment and would agree with me. If you don't, fuck off. You literally know nothing. Well, uh, on that note, I guess I agree with what you're saying because I don't want to. I don't want to fuck off. No, I mean honestly, <laughs> what hasn't he done? Yeah, like he could. He's a class act. Yeah, I mean, but you know, when when a player gets old, obviously their their play is gonna, you know, curtail a little bit. But I I don't think that goal was that goal was not was his, his fault. fault at all. No, no. But I mean, you're gonna you're you're learning. I've been on Twitter for a long time. Uh, I've I've already had my learning curve to see how many trolls there are. You know, you're just gonna have to get used to it. It's a it's a joke, but. So let, what so what are some final points that we learned about this game about Man City at least? Well, I think the main one and and I wrote this note down right after the final whistle blew was Conte doesn't trust Michi Batshuayi and missing out on Fernando Llorente in the summer Oof. is just looking like a bigger and bigger miss. Right. Um that's it's it's going to hurt us because that that's a reliable striker that we could count on where we don't have to adapt our playing style too much. Um, going back to Willian, I mean, as my next point, Willian's def- form is definitely worrying mm-hmm. for me because we've seen him be invisible in some matches, but even the matches he's invisible and in, he's still putting in a 6 out of 10 or yeah. a 7 out of 10. He's been one of our most consistent players since we purchased him. Yeah, it's kind of sad to see him play like this considering the way he was before. Yeah. Um, another thing is Fabregas is becoming really easy to neutralize. Yeah. I mean, when, when the other midfielders are in global content, Bakayoko, I don't, I think teams are more than comfortable allowing them as much space as possible. And mm-hmm. just, you know, just cramming up all every Fabregas is every step, you know, I mean, Conte's credentials are definitely going to be tested because he has to figure out a way to liberate Cesc Fabregas of it. Um, whether that's possibly bringing in Danny Drinkwater once he's healthy because he's a long ball threat and he could thread a pass um, is something to be seen. But my last point is is something that I feel very strongly about and something I predicted from the beginning of the season, and that's Man City is definitely the title favorites for this year and it's definitely their title to lose manchester united has a lot of injuries right now uh, man city lost aguero benjamin mendy was ruled out um for you know pretty much the rest of the season today but you know de bruyne and silva and that midfield partnership are just like i i something crazy also about that car accident i heard that if had Sergio Aguero not worn his seatbelt, that he would probably be dead. Really? Because it was so bad, yeah. Well, I, I saw a picture of the car. Did you see a picture of it? No, I didn't. It looked like you stepped on a, a soda can, like an, on an empty soda can. I mean, it just got crushed. He's, it, it, it was really bad. Like, like it's shocking that he only walked away with a broken rib. I, I thought it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, those are my main points. De Bruyne and Silva, just imperious. They look almost unguardable because it's just two players that are class in every sense of the word. And I think that Sané is slowly becoming my favorite non-Chelsea player. And it's hard for me to say because he's playing for, you know, a team that's really competing against Chelsea. But mm. I think he's becoming my favorite player not my on favorite, Chelsea right now. My favorite non-Chelsea player. That's a good question. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have you think about that once yeah. I, while I uh, preview this yeah, yeah, uh, this this tough matchup against the the mighty mighty crystal palace squad which has you know scored zero goals this season hasn't has not won a single game correction they actually scored one goal against huddersfield oh but that wasn't a premier league game yeah it was wasn't it pretty sure according to this table they haven't scored a game this season so maybe it was a league cup match yeah i think it was Um, oh my gosh yeah they have not scored a single 
goal this season, minus 17 goal differential, zero points. Um, but, Zach, I mean, the only thing that we can talk about is, I mean, we're, even though we're not going to be able to see it, is that their best player has been Ruben Loftus-Cheek. It's, so, uh, it's funny because Palace fans, especially on Twitter, are saying he's way too good for us. <laughs> like, what are what, what are we doing? This guy has way too much skill to be on. We might team. as well just put him in the championship. I mean, that's it's probably the same amount of talent around him. It's just it's Crystal Palace is the epitome of modern football in the sense that they don't give their managers time. Oh yeah. Um, what baffles me is the fact that they fired uh, Frank De Boer right before they're about to play Manchester City and Chelsea within the span of three weeks. <laughs> so, like, why not just keep the guy on board, try and instill your philosophy a little bit more, maybe well, pick I, up a I, decent I, result or two, and then build momentum on that. And if not, use him as a scapegoat and then fire him. But instead, they decide to ro- to hire Roy Hodgson. I mean, what, 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 is it, what difference is he going to make if he's on the team or not? Well, he has, experience, he has experience – in keeping teams up so he's gonna help them with their relegation battle in the long run and the thing is when you look at crystal palace's team sheet when they do have a healthy christian benteke they they have decent wingers they have loftus cheek up the middle benteke is a solid striker um streaky but when he's on form he's he's basically unplayable this team isn't bad enough on paper to go down but it's just it's just looking more and more likely. Um, it's funny because on my notes, I usually have about a page and a half on what we need to do to win our next match. And with Crystal Palace, I have about four bullet points. And they're all very, very basic. So, I yeah, mean, uh, one, show up to game. Show up to game. Two, get off bus. Make sure you wear your shin pads. Uh, <laughs> three, uh, hydrate. <laughs> and four score one goal minimum maximum yeah don't yeah don't get hurt that's, don't get that's hurt the last oh my god do. just please don't get hurt please don't get hurt i so, think i mean are you are you predicting a mishi bachuai hat trick again today um <laughs> you know what i think conte is gonna give charlie Musanda a run in this match Ooh. and i see a charlie Musanda goal um i think against a team like crystal palace that has Big burly immobile center backs. Um, well, well, not him. not so much Mamadou Sako, but um, Scott Dan's been in terrible form, and he's not the most mobile guy ever. I think Conte might go with the three up top, the three smalls, like he did last year. How he had Pedro, William, and Hazard. I think he might go Hazard, Musanda, and Pedro. Um, but playing William in this match. Might not be a bad idea just to get his, get his form con- back. Yeah, get his yeah. confidence back. Up. I'm, at, I'm just totally contradicting myself right now. I don't know how we're gonna go about it. All I know is we're gonna win. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just let's just humble ourselves a bit and recognize that Roy Hodgson has a few weeks in this international break to instill his philosophy. He does have experience in keeping teams in the Premier League, and this is a London derby. And that's something that, you know, we tend to forget a lot as Chelsea fans because usually Crystal Palace is six points every season. But it is a London derby, so they're gonna show up, they're gonna they're gonna push us around, they're gonna try and knock us off of our game, and it's our responsibility to pounce on them from the get go. So you're saying be comfortable but not too comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Be be comfortable and not too comfortable. I'm going three nil. I think Palace is gonna give us a match for the first half, and we're gonna be sluggish and lazy from international break, and then the second half we're going to go off. Hopefully, Charlie Musanda gets a goal. Yeah, I don't think that their first goal of the season is going to come against us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- this just reeks of a match that we win and our players get drug tested right after. Right? But, like, this is just I, seems like one of those matches. I think that the only way that our, our players would get drug tested against this team is if we ended up losing and we they have to test to see if the night before all of our players went out <laughs> drinking and you mean if they're coming down from a, yeah, a crazy night yeah 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 so, i mean what are you going with it's three four zero i mean one of one of those you heard it first here guys 34 to nothing <laughs> three, three four three four zero. zero 340 to zero yeah actually. that's what i meant yeah it's gonna be the highest scoring this game. is definitely fifa playing on amateur with 10 minute halves <laughs> <laughs> 
He even scored 340 yeah, goals, 340 in, 20 goals in 20 minutes. That's that's absurd. I can't, can't I can't, do that. I couldn't do it. Anyways. I don't know. If you're playing against Crystal Palace, it might be possible. Maybe. They've given know. up 17 goals in seven games. And not a... Man. I'm going to be really bad. I'm going to be really, really <laughs> pissed if we don't win this. I'm going to be really pissed if they score a goal. Yeah, yeah. You know what? If they score a goal because their forward right now is Connor Wickham. Because <laughs> Christian Benteke is out. When was the last time? You, the last time I heard of Connor Wickham, he was at Sun, he was like third string on Sunderland. I didn't even know he was still in the Premier League until I I did my pre match analysis for this game. Uh anyways, that wraps it up for this episode. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off? I mean, next week is international break, so we won't have an episode. Um, Mishi, please prove me wrong, man. Yeah, that's this is gonna it. Be, this is your time to shine. Put in that work. Just make us eat our words. Like, back yeah, your... Nothing would make me happier. Yeah, man. Please, for God's sake. Um, if you do like our podcast, um, if you want to comment or you want to tweet at us, um, we are at Roman's Empire Pod. Again, we've been having a lot of Twitter interactions with more and more um, listeners of the pod every week. Um, some genuinely good people and some genuinely good uh, um, conversations going on in Twitter. Um, if you have questions, feel free to email us, uh, romansempirepod at gmail.com. Um, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever you need to do. Find a way to keep listening to us and interact with us yeah, because it's touch. it's something that we really, really, uh, really, really enjoy. Yeah, you know, I miss you. I haven't heard from you in a long time. So yeah. just make sure you stop by and send a, you know. Keep up the good work, Chris, from Denmark. We really appreciate the tweets. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's really leading the charge. Dude, he, this guy. Fo- he's, follow his form, everyone. He's actually he's actually very good. His name's not Chris from Denmark. What's his name? I'm going to give him a shout out. I'm going to I'm about to get this guy like three more followers. What is his name? I think uh, is it not Chris from Denmark? No, no, no. It's it's not Chris from Denmark. He's his name is Chris, and he's just from Denmark. But uh, where is he? Your internet's slow. Anyways, shout out to Chris from Denmark. Yeah, it's Chris. This is this literally his thing is this is Crin- Chris from Denmark. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, his, his 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 about me is this is Chris from Denmark. <laughs> okay, so uh, Chris this is- underscore DK underscore CFC. Shout out to Chris from Denmark. Yeah, I know you got a stiffy watching Andreas Christensen last week. Until the week after next week, uh, keep the blue flag flying high, and we'll see you guys soon.